Good morning! This is Brian O'Holler and Dante Hicks from Clerks, and you're listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. much scrolling for halloween october 31st 2023 i'm spooky steve foder i'm ghoulish chip essenflow we're just a couple of ghouls sitting around talking about things that are important to us hopefully they're important to you if you need more information there's so many great ways to find more information halloween we have a halloween on a tuesday this is our halloween extravaganza chip Exactly. We've got the sugar pushers that'll be coming later on, Steve. <laughs> and then we've got uh if it's for for your area, if it's not snowing, if for my area, if it's not raining, the trick-or-treaters will uh you know be here and you'll be able to get your sugar out. Yeah, it is it is a good chance of snow today. So happy Halloween from Chicago. Film at 11. Brings you to our film at 11, our movie of the week. You have been following a Halloween tradition and you saw a Dracula film this week, Chip. I did. It was released in April. You kind of reviewed it at that point, but I got to see the movie Renfield, Steve. It makes me smile just thinking of this. Renfield, you'll remember, is the lawyer from Dracula who is becomes the unwitting accomplice and is the uh, puppet that Dracula is is moving around the world. This story, boy, oh boy, does it expand upon that idea. So Robert Kirkman, who many people will know from The Walking Dead, he was the writer of The Walking Dead, and he was the writer for one of the writers for this film. And Chris McKay, he uh, was the director of the Lego Batman movie. Okay. Um, so he got to direct this film too. We of course have Nicolas Cage being the most Nicolas Cage uh, Dracula as you can find, mm-hmm. and uh, Nicholas Holt. Uh, he plays Renfield, and he is a great Renfield, Steve. He is almost utterly perfect as Renfield. We get so much characterization from Nick Holt here and seeing what it would be like to be under the influence of this being that is controlling your every move. Steve, at some point, you have to go to therapy. Group therapy is certainly a place to to find yourself. And uh, what we get is um, Renfield recognizing that he is in a codependent and abusive relationship, Steve. <laughs> in the most fun way possible. That sounds very dark and negative. But this is this is a fun, silly look at, at that dark subject. So there is uh, violence and gore in this film, but it is a very fun way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And you think of think of movies like Zombieland, where you know the um, it's the absurdity of the situations. But you know, arms are being ripped off. There's blood everywhere. They're slinging the arms around. And what one of my favorite things is the subtle destruction of the ska music form that keeps going on in the uh, the background conversations of this film which is very, very fun. If you're not familiar with ska, think of bands like Fishbone. Yes, ska is a big part of the the, the, the the comedy of this. And I 
I love the comedy horror genre. I do not like the horror genre. That gore that you mentioned earlier really bothers me when it's presented as real, as people suffering. But when it's silly, when it's slapstick like this, I love it and I laugh. I laugh heartily at this one. And I have to agree with you because, you know, no one wants to watch suffering. But silliness we have no problem with. And that silly violence is just, you know, part of a a genre that kind of makes it okay. Because we know if these things would have happened in real life, we would be in trauma and shock. Right. Um, so I do recommend this film. I say 60 out of 100. This is fun and uh, certainly in the spirit of playfulness. And it's my favorite Nicolas Cage film. I, I don't generally like Nicolas Cage, but I will accept Nicolas Cage as Dracula in this. Absolutely. I was actually in New Orleans when this was filming and Nicolas Cage was walking around and there was lots of stories of, of him walking around during the day uh, while he was filming Dracula at night. I, I, I recommend this one highly. Nicolas Cage is a lot of fun. I got a chance to see some of my Halloween favorites, my traditions of Halloween. The Muppets Haunted Mansion from 2021 has become an annual watch for me. This is the Haunted Mansion movie. I'm sorry to the other two Haunted Mansion movies, but when you put Muppets into the story of the Haunted Mansion, give us all of the tropes from that ride from Disney World plus Muppets, you've got something special. Music in this movie is phenomenal i can listen to the soundtrack from the muppets haunted mansion dr teeth and the electric mayhem rocking out during this movie is phenomenal i will watch this every year along with my annual watch of young frankenstein which we completed last night my wife and i in 4k i don't recommend 4k i don't think that taking a movie from 1974 and making it look like a telenovela is my favorite thing but i enjoy every step of young frankenstein and then of course rocky horror picture show was my uh usual uh trip to school viewing i'm never driving and watching a movie except for rocky horror picture show what are your traditions of halloween chip it's a young person's day steve and certainly we grew up with uh the playfulness of it so it's a good time to just get uh, to get to know your your neighbors it's a great time to get out and get to know your neighbors as long as it's not snowing I got a chance on Saturday to go see a live performance of Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is one of my favorites. Seeing the movie, along with the live players who are performing the parts on stage, we have so much fun. The community of people that love this silly, silly movie about acceptance and about uh, monsters is wonderful. This is definitely one of those adventures where a certain group of people, the, the weirdos come out to be a part of the production. The audience gets into it. The, the movie is playing, the people are acting and the audience is yelling and throwing things. I love watching productions like this, where the community comes together. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it, book it, book it. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week. It is the end of the month. It is spooky October 31st. Time to bring in a professor. See, this is where we become learning. 
<laughs> Good morning, Pam. Wow. I feel like that's my best introduction of all time. Hi, guys. <laughs> How's it going on this spooky day? Let's talk about radio. <laughs> and the collapsing of time and space. Ooh, we... <laughs> There's some kind of riddle there. There's some riddles in there? I brought a book to the book club this month. Quantum Radio is the title. You know how much I love radio and how much I love quantum. This is written by A.G. Riddle, an author who we have not read up until this point. This is his 12th novel. Pam, is this one of the authors that, that we should be studying? That's a great question. I have to say, I've heard Riddle's name here and there. But this is the first book by him that I have read. And it's an interesting one in a lot of ways. Chip, do you know anything about A.G. Riddle and, and uh, where he grew up by any chance? Well, we looked it up, Steve, um, because I was like, in the in our story, we get a bunch of references to Raleigh, North Carolina. Really? And, uh, oh, Raleigh. And so in the in the story, he starts naming off some streets. And I'm like, I live off that street. And that's where we found out that he currently lives in Raleigh. He grew up in Shelby, Steve. And for all us North Carolinians who are very well of Shelby, there's a lot of um, athletes and writers and all sorts of people who come from this area. A.G. Riddle is a writer. But that is home of David Thompson, Steve. And on December 6th, if you're here in Raleigh, you will find his statue in front of Reynolds Coliseum. He played for NC State and played for the Denver Nuggets. He was known as Skywalker, just so you know, Steve. There you go. Okay, you got me at Skywalker. Uh, I, I'm, I'm all on board with basketball at this point. <laughs> he so is the best college basketball player to play in North Carolina. So you can think of another one called Michael Jordan, Steve. Maybe you've heard of him, too. Oh, yes. He, uh, he, I understand. I understand Michael Jordan. I talked about him in class just this week, as a matter of fact. So Quantum Radio, this was published in March of 2023. Brand new story. And we see here uh, a familiar kind of plot where we get a message from somewhere else a signal from maybe another universe maybe the future maybe something else entirely and it contains in it the plans for building something the question becomes if you received a message that you were not expecting and it contained the plans to build something would you build that thing what if it was an arc steve Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, and you would have to humans are just that curious I really believe it even if you felt like what you were building could lead to the demise of the human race I think you still build it just after we watched contact just a few months ago together where you have that same plot device build this and see what it is see what it does and of course you have to build there's no question in my mind. And you're going to have a competition to build it. It could be a, a Trojan horse. It, and, and that is one of the plot points, right? That is one of the conversations, both in Contact by Carl Sagan in 1985 and in Quantum Radio here. What if this is something that some force is creating to destroy us? Should we build it? And you're right. Human curiosity, we have to build it. We have to see what it is. And we have to put together a team. 
this is the trope, right? The trope here is the team of people. We find them one by one based on DNA that is embedded in the idea of this message. And I love this mission impossible, choosing the pictures of which people are going to be a part of this team. And our favorite part of it is uh, if we use team America as our trope, what we need is an actor. <laughs> I don't want to get too spoilery on this story, but yes, yes, the team has to be a very diverse group of people. And and the the yes, we need the the heart and soul, the musician, and all of the people in order to make this happen. And I thought it was really interesting because we start off by meeting Ty, our physicist. And this this character is a very science fiction trope of a character, right? He's high in his mid-30s. He works at CERN. Uh, and this we've seen CERN lately as well, right? Uh, absolutely. I'm, I was thinking Dan Brown all in this. I was thinking of Flash Forward 1999 that we discussed that we had where we had Robert J. Sawyer on, but that was a completely different show in a completely different time. Yes, it was. So Dan Brown's Angels and Demons has CERN. Okay, so CERN has certainly been a science fiction trope in and of itself. We have worked on this science for so long, and we have always been questioning, what is this science going to do to the universe? And, and not to kind of derail this, but if this was written 20 years ago or twenty, you know, 30 years ago, it could have been Fermilab, which True. is in the Chicago area. That's right. That's why we had Mr. Freeze from Fermilab when we had that discussion of Flash Forward on a totally different show. That was Sandwiches at Irregular Hours during the pandemic. You can look it up. We put it into the show notes, of course. <laughs> yes. And so Ty is a physicist. He has few human connections. He's recently met a cute girl and he's kind of intrigued, interested. They're sort of early on in their relationship. And he doesn't have a ton of close human relationships because he's so, so, so focused on his science. That sort of ushers in one genre. But you guys, I think what I found the most interesting about this novel was, in fact, the sort of genre space. Obviously, it's speculative fiction. Mm -hmm. But how would you categorize this? Is this a time travel? Is it an alternate history novel? Is it utopian or dystopian fiction? Like what what stood out to you as the trope? Is it a an action adventure story? So I th I think there's a, a lot of all of it in there. It is certainly of its moment. I mean, as this is we, when we're reading this, you're going. Yeah, these are all the stories that were that are currently being produced today. They have all of these tropes in them, these elements. They want to jump around a whole bunch and you know, make sure we have uh, multiple universes in there because, you know, that's what we're what, how we destroy every story. So we can't just follow a timeline. <laughs> Let's follow all the timelines. 
Yeah, I I was stuck in the multiverse for sure. That was the part that I gleamed onto and went, okay, here we are, 2023. Everything is a multiverse. Spider-Man is a multiverse. The MCU is a multiverse. And then we get into the quantum realm and think about how all of this works and the science of quantum that is happening right now. They keep making discoveries that that really go to the heart of the multiverse concept and and, you know, saying that some of our theories of physics might be wrong at that level. And I want to just go ahead and point out that Ty, his apartment wasn't very clean. And when the bomb went off, it wasn't clean at all. <laughs> yes, we have all of those tropes. This is the, the, the smart kid who's so stuck in what he's working on. His apartment is a mess. And then, yes, that trope where he receives a package that is a bomb that explodes and blows up the apartment and some of the subsequent apartments. There, there's so much in here. And we're going to whisk him off to America, baby. In charge. <laughs> And then I wonder if you thought of the simulation hypothesis while you were reading this. In that, I always think about the simulation hypothesis when I'm doing <laughs> everything. Yes. But in terms of this story, no, I did not really consider that this story takes place in a computer simulation where this is not actually happening. I I, I did not think of that. Is that what did you it, think of that? Did it? Did his father give him the red pill or the blue pill? Yeah, I, I didn't go well, there. Well, exactly. And I actually think that the giving of the mysterious pill was actually a little bit of a sign. So I'll be very, very curious, you guys. This feels like a book one, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm imagining there's going to be a whole series. We'll see. It, it, I mean, it could go either way. But I'm just, I'm going to stay here today on Halloween of 2023 that I will not be shocked if this book goes into a simulation hypothesis, if this series rather goes into simulation hypothesis mode, it's really set up for that. I, I know oh, that you're you way so smarter than me. I know you're way <laughs> smarter than me, but I, I don't see it. I see a multiverse story. I see a time travel possible story, but, and, and, and the quantum. So one of the stories of quantum that came out this week was the idea that the, the way that we pair items in quantum theory could lead to time travel that changing something now could change something that was paired with that something in the past i don't see simulation in this but but you're smarter than me so maybe you're right do we all get deloreans <laughs> there's been so many more deloreans lately but you guys but but hear me out just a little bit because in this story we actually have a team of four people, right? And they're chosen. They're chosen by these sort of, should we call them the programmers? I don't know. They're chosen by someone, right? Uh -huh. The historians. Mm -hmm. And so... Or four historians. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Right? Mm -hmm. And so they're, um, and they represent four different epistemological frameworks, right? Four ways of knowing. And I love that Ty saw that coming when he sees the DNA samples. He's like, okay, so I'm the scientist, nor is the social scientist, the psych prof. Cato's the historian with the military background. We're going to need someone else. Who's it going to be? I bet it'll be an artist, says Ty. 
yeah. right? <laughs> so you have these four modalities, right? Of science, social science, humanities, and art or aesthetics. And so if I was running a computer simulation, <laughs> I would want those four ways of knowing represented. And then they start, they're, they're given the test, right? And and then they see all these different worlds. That's Nick Bostrom's famous essay, Are We Living in a Computer Simulation, suggests that you actually, humans in the future, post-humans really, likely to run different models of what could happen in human history. And so given how many people exist in the world versus exist in these models, the odds are we're living in a model. And and I feel like, and don't forget, A.G. Riddle was a coder for 10 years before he turned his hand to writing fiction. I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but I'm just- The evidence is on the table. We will see as this this series continues. You guys didn't tell me I needed to put my lava lamp and bring out the hookah. Well, this is not a lava lamp. I really don't think so. I think that we're looking at a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure situation. Mm -hmm. I think the four historians are very well-known characters to us in this story. And I think that they said that in this book. (laughs) That the head historian said to Ty, you know who we are. Because it's them. From Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I think it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think I think they are meeting themselves and telling themselves to go on a mission and sending themselves on a mission and they go on a mission. I think that that's what we're looking at and I'm here for it. I'm eating it up. I like the beginning of this book because it had sort of a Michael Crichton yes. sort of beginning part. Agreed. Yeah, when you start getting to the, you know, later on, you know, just <laughs> it, let's just say that, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, finishing the book at that point because the beginning part really was it was kind of a nice little setup and where the story would go and then you know we basically get to a different part and i'm like yeah okay (laughs) and as the genre person i'll be like the beginning part actually calls upon the thriller Mm -hmm. as many time travel um, and alternate history books do. Mm-hmm. It uses this thriller approach. Now, I know you guys are probably more into history than I am, but did you like the alternate history piece? Like, what would the Earth look like if the Axis had won World War II? It's uh, interesting because, you know, uh, Philip K. Dick's book, what was the uh, the one? Man in the High Castle. Yeah, and and, you know, if we look at the time this was published, knowing that Amazon did a series of, on based on the book. So it just seems like, you know, is he just drawing from something that's currently in the zeitgeist of, uh, of one of the shows that many people were watching? I would say this whole book does that, draws on all of the zeitgeist, <laughs> all of the genres, and he puts them into one story. And, and I still like it. I'm still here for it. Well, certainly South, South America becomes much more important. Uh, in in this in the alternate history world, um, as things in Europe kind of spread out, including your question here, uh, Pam, that where you asked, is the name Penny directly taken from the Big Bang Theory? Is that who Penny is in this story? That's a very insightful look at at what I think is happening in this book. Is is he is taking current work and going what if what if what if 
And another trope that he draws upon, but not really yet, sorry, another trope that he drops in, but doesn't follow through with is the doppelganger. Mm. So we find out, oh my gosh, the DNA sample is Ty's, except, oh, by the way, Ty has an identical twin brother. What's the purpose of twin <laughs> brother, right? Um, da, da, da. <laughs> but you guys, we're obsessed with doppelgangers today. Naomi Klein just came out with a fascinating nonfiction book. I think it's just called Doppelgangers. And it tells the story of being the other Naomi because Naomi Wolf, who's like a conspiracy theorist or has become big in conspiracy theory circles, um, and Naomi Klein, who's a cultural critic, they often get confused with each other. They're both married to men named Ari. <laughs> they have all of these things in common. Um, and Klein's book is really interesting about the sort of notion that as I don't want to say we live in a post-truth society because there's lots of people like us who are trying to like, you know, hold the line on what is reality. But we have challenges around truth and uh disinformation and the idea of the doppelganger is really central right now mm-hmm. and here we go ty has a twin brother who happens to be in prison and his father happens to be this interesting scientist who could have created this situation or many other situations as if apparently he did create several (laughs) situations in Ty's life. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot in here. Every trope. Every trope is thrown in. Thrown in. No dinosaurs yet. Yet. Yeah, they spared no expense, Dave. They they spared no expense. Were there dinosaurs in this one? There were totally dinosaurs. There was that one world where dinosaurs and humans lived at the same time. There were 100% dinosaurs. Yes. Fred Flintstone. In that that simulation, the dinosaurs actually survived. Okay, so are we recommending this book at this point? Is this a book that, that most people will eat up because of all these genre pieces? Or is it too many genre pieces all at the same time, Chip? It's a it's a um, it's a beach read that's mm-hmm. really long. Agreed. I agree with so, that. So, so I you know I think that you know for, for the average person they just pick it up and they can certainly get lost in it. But it's not like you're going to finish it, you know, on a Saturday and Sunday laying on the beach. What do you think, Pam? I think it's really fun. It's a smorgasbord of different science fiction and speculative fiction tropes. It even includes some of the utopian and dystopian elements that people today are really interested in, because in this series of different worlds, some of the worlds have had really effective government that has led to outcomes for the citizens of those Earths. Some of them have led to dystopian worlds because of really corrupt governments, and others have led to apocalyptic worlds in which dinosaurs and humans coexist, and so there's no real government at all. So I actually think I would recommend this book. Um, I think it has some structural issues, but it's a lot of fun. 
I think we should, you know, what we keep talking about is going back and watching sliders and doing an episode by episode analysis of sliders. And I think that this book, once again, dials in, ha, dials in, you get, you have to put in the secret four digit code to get to the right world. The, it dials into that idea of us going to a different world, experiencing what the differences are and seeing how we can change our world. I, I think that we would have a lot of fun watching sliders. I could definitely see that. I'm. It also does have some messages, right? About what matters. I think that it's really, it's really interesting that Ty is a very nervous public speaker and the way that he managed to get over his fear of public speaking, since he's also like a world-class scientist and needs to give presentations, is something that his mother told him, which is that when you're facing an audience of people, you just have to treat them with kindness. And as long as you make kindness your main approach dealing with others, they will like you. And you know, that's a very simple message, but it's also like something we shouldn't forget about as we move through the world. I just want to mention that there is a love story here, but that can wait. <laughs> yes, I agree. The love story, <laughs> you're right. The love story is certainly on the back burner and, and he keeps reminding us of, of Penny and reminding us of what is happening with the love story. And, and it can wait because there's so much action and so many other tropes to get to. The Willers, time, and of course, uh, family. It's all about family. It's Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I uh, it has uh, influenced everything, Steve. It's taking everything. I do love the idea of how can we get through public speaking. It's by thinking carefully about being kind to your audience. What does your audience need? How can you give them what they need? And that kindness factor of how we can approach our thinking toward the perspective of that audience is is beautiful. I'm glad that you put that in and, and put my name on it in the, in the notes, because you knew that <laughs> somebody in this group is all about public speaking and kindness. So, so what did you guys think of the idea that the oceans with the algae are where we get all of our oxygen yeah. and that was going to be, you know, the, um, how they were going to destroy that world. That's... Well, and let's not forget eco-criticism, right? Another trope of our moment. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> right? So we live in a world threatened by environmental disaster. And so when you go through all of the different simulations or the multiverse, you oh, get to see all of the different ways that the relationships between humans and nature could go. Can no. we go ahead and just blame Dr. Strange for opening that? Is is that the first multiverse story that we that we encountered? No, 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 but it's it's one of the strong ones, huh? It's it's Spider Man's fault. Blame Spider Man. Uh, I might uh, go back to H. G. Wells on that. I think his novel, A Modern Utopia, from the very very early twentieth century, first decade of the twentieth century, sets up multiverses in which characters like these can meet themselves on different worlds and see different. You're giving too much credit. You're assuming that we're learned. <laughs> <laughs> we 
don't read enough H.G. Wells. She's absolutely <laughs> right about that. We should backtrack a lot and, and talk more H.G. Wells. I don't even know if we've covered one H.G. Wells in this, the, this book club. They're almost literate. That's the, There's your first one. Yeah, too much scrolling. Almost literate. <laughs> <laughs> I actually rewatched the 2004 remake of War of the Worlds this week. I don't even know why. Netflix told me to, and I was like, "I'll do it." Yeah, I probably don't read enough HG Wells myself. <laughs> yeah. That was Spielberg and Tom Cruise, right? It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys, can I go back to the love story? Because Steve, I'm a little fascinated that when Chip said love story, you were thinking of Penny, but of course, I was thinking of Nora. And I guess I wonder how that any for Big Bang Theory and Nora function in this text. I, I don't know that I have an answer to that in this text. I don't know that I, I yes, Nora is the, the true love that is lost, that he, she, he's going to find her and they're going to have this adventure together. And just like speed, they're going to fall in love because of the adventure, the, throwing in another trope of, of the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I I think that the love story is so secondary to the adventure here that I, I didn't pay it much attention, honestly. I was thinking of the scene where you're like, yes, we really like each other a whole bunch, but that will have to wait. Until you're after we've gone through a thousand worlds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to this later on. That's very sliders. Sliders, <laughs> sliders had that relation on again, off again relationship that, that will they, won't they relationship. I think he's trying to put that in there and I, I think it works. Uh, let, me, let me add another one there. I've got to sit down and write this song that I have to perform later. <laughs> well, that's uh, who's going to sing that song. I, Mariah Carey. My God, it's almost November 1st. She'll be there. Well, I believe she's already there. But also with Maria Santos, um, we get this person who's dealing with substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Another topic that's very, very central to our world in 2023. And it's interesting. I feel like when they meet the historians and they say, hey, you guys have to help us with all of our physical and mental health issues. And the historians are like, yes, we actually have, you know, a methadone type drug that can help Maria, but she's also going to need to do talk therapy. You don't just get over substance abuse like that. I mean, there's a very like, you know, in the moment, yes. like, let's be kind to each other. Let's understand where everyone is coming from feeling to it. Ty got the same answer though. It was like, well, we can't solve all of yours, but you'll have to do therapy. So it's certainly, you know, very modern, very, a very modern story 2023 there is 2023 i don't even think it's it's 2019 this is post pandemic <laughs> this is what we're dealing with this is how we're thinking and yes go to therapy that's the answer and, and yet of course when they said make sure you grab your mask no i'm teasing <laughs> that's, that's about what was missing in this book to be post 2023 <laughs> we don't know what pathogens are available well, they brought they brought COVID to another world. <laughs> and I felt like Nora's dad was kind of a union organizer, too. <laughs> <laughs> You've got it all. This book's got it all. It's got it all. Something guys, for everyone. And guys, Ray Porter, he's such a great narrator. So I listened to the audiobook. It was a delight. And this is where 
Chip, I actually think this is a great beach read as long as you audio, <laughs> as long as you use the audio. Ray Porter is is like the tip top narrator of audiobooks. He's approaching 500 titles with his voice, and I just love listening to him. The way he can split characters, the way he can give us the sound of that character sounds like this and the sound of that character sounds like that every time is just fascinating. I, I agree. Ray Porter is a master. He has certainly mastered this genre. And any of the books that uh, he's had the the the, the joy of, of producing become better with with him doing it. Can I talk about one of the jokes that I texted you guys while I was reading this? I love this joke. The the one character, and I won't tell you which character so that it's not a spoiler. One character says, what is this? The second character says, it's what you require. The first character responds, I need you to be more cryptic right now. And the second character says, I will comply when you increase your sarcasm. <laughs> That made me laugh out loud so much that I had to rewind it and and text that to you in the in the text chat because this is a middle aged writer in 2023. This is a Gen X writer who I I absolutely understand who he is and knowing that he's from the Raleigh area, I know this guy even though I don't know Ag Riddle Chip. <laughs> absolutely agree and you know some of the dialogue isn't like perfect but some of it's really funny too so mm -hmm. it kind of captures it captures the characters nicely enough and what, what they'll need is someone like carrie fisher to come out you know you can write this but you can't speak it steve Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know that anybody's going to make this into a movie for sure. I don't. I don't think a, a visual representation of this is forthcoming. I think this is a a novel that stays a novel, and then we go watch Sliders. I might disagree with that, Steve. Really? I, I, you think I could picture this as a TV series? You know, a season one, see how it goes, kind of kind of thing. You've got the thriller element at the beginning. You've got great characters. You've got characters meeting themselves. I, it could be fun. Got Mission Impossible team coming together. Right? <laughs> it's called Sliders. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so what do you think of the ending? I, I agree with Chip that this story was really strong at the beginning and not quite as strong at the end. What do you think, Pam? The ending felt like it was setting up a series. And mm -hmm. so it didn't same, same as you guys. I thought it was I thought it was fun. But it was also a little bit of a, you know, it's a setup rather than a conclusion. So would you pick up a second book with this team traveling through the quantum realm and getting through and finding if it's a simulation or not? That's a really good question, because I think so much has been settled for these characters that mm -hmm. I can't imagine a lot more character growth for these four, which is why I'm I'm not sure. I mean, hey, I'm a completionist. If he writes another book, I'll totally read it. I have some unanswered questions, but I'm not like desperate for the answer because their growth as characters is sort of complete, right? Until they become the historians and come back and, and then the story is them as the historians telling the story again. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Chip? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... If, are you asking if I would read this? Well, if it was a group read, yeah, I guess I would. I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to reread this. I think that we, 
it, it's going to run into the same issue that Jurassic Park went through. You had this strong book by Michael Crichton. You had almost a screenplay written out for the second book. It's, it wasn't really fleshed out real well. And then it just went wherever it went. Um, but I don't, I didn't really like the last section of this book. Um, maybe you're right about those are, uh, you know, their, their future selves. Um, but I, I like the beginning of this book and that's why I think it's kind of a beach read. It's, it's kind of fun and, and enjoyable. And, you know, I'm surprised that this wasn't edited down a little bit more and dropping the last part of it. Cause I don't know if it was needed. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think probably we see an editing issue here where A.G. Riddle wrote this book as a standalone and then somebody decided this should be a series. I, I think that that is the flavor that I get out of this. So uh, that's that's not a very strong recommendation for our book club this month, but I think we enjoyed this book enough. And I think anyone who picked it up and understands where we are in 2023 could see themselves in the story of Quantum Radio. That's Quantum Radio, published in 2023 by A.G. Riddle. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. There's plenty of things happening in the world. Let's talk about almost none of them. The New York Times has some issues to face this week, Chip. Steve, you know, we've got the New York Times is looking for um, a person to uh, hire, Steve. A senior editor to lead the newsroom's efforts to ambitiously and responsibly make use of generative artificial intelligence. Welcome to 2023. The newspaper is looking for somebody to hire. Exactly. The New York Times is looking to have a person take on the AI responsibility or oversee it with a team of writers. This is an editor position. Well, this is Steve was actually reading the the true job description. So that is very interesting for a news organization to, I guess, really want to be on the forefront of technology, but certainly, you know, a changing of how they've done things in the past, right? Yeah, the the question of AI and the question of how much can this thing create, this tool create, has been a question that we've answered many times with many other tools in technology. And we're working through how are we going to use this? So the, the New York Times is not the only company out there trying to stay ahead of the curve. It looks like Elon Musk is too, Steve. Yeah, he's got his ideas for what he can do with his company, X.com, you know, that company that used to be Twitter. And he's thinking now that he can replace banking. He can be the place where you go to move money with X.com. And that was one of his original ideas back when he was one of the founders of PayPal. Mm-hmm. Was he wanted to have a place where payments could happen, where you could invest, where you could save any number of things. I, I, I'm really, I, I don't really have a lot of ideas of how this would ultimately work, but it's interesting that he would think Twitter, but you know, Twitter has a large group of people using it, um, that that would become the central part of what Twitter will be used for. 
Yeah, a central platform is what he's been trying to do for a long time, finding one solution to all of the world's needs. He says that they can offer high-yield money market accounts and debit cards and checks and loan services, replacing all of the banks with this one-stop shop. Right, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Speaking of money... Mystery Science Theater is crowdfunding season 14. This was announced this week. They are trying to get a season 14 of Mystery Science Theater and looking for everybody to come together like we did for the previous two crowdfunding uh, campaigns. And they're looking for $4.8 million to get six new full-length features, six shorts, and surgically enhancing 18 old episodes. We've seen a little bit of the surgically enhancing enhanced episodes they look beautiful but it takes time and money to update those old movies to look something a little bit nicer uh even though they're still crummy movies i, I don't understand the term surgically enhanced they are updating to hd picture those old movies from the 50s 60s and 70s so that we can see more clearly how crummy these movies are so are they taking old episodes of Mystery Science Theater and making them, say, 4K or high definition? Or are they taking the movies that they are pulling from and making those HD? They're HDifying the whole episode, including the movies and all of the bits in between. Okay. And and it's fun. It's fun to see those movies because the community of Mystery Science Theater viewers, we watch those movies over and over again, seeing them a little more clearly as our uh, site uh, goes further down the tubes is, is a lot of fun. So is this like a GoFundMe for Mystery Science Theater? Yeah, they are using Showmaker this time instead of Kickstarter. They used Kickstarter for the first two campaigns. They raised $5.7 million in 2016 when they brought back Mystery Science Theater and $6.5 million when they built the Gizmoplex in 2021. Looking for four point eight at the minimum for this year. And uh, there's a lot of us that have thrown in a lot of money to get Mystery Science Theater back on our televisions. I look forward to seeing more Mystery Science Theater, but suffice it to say. As usual, it is the end of the month, and we are so thankful to have Pam. Big, huge thanks to Pam for coming in and educating us on our book. Our book club is so much fun, Chip. Yeah, Professor Bador is a, um, a blessing to all of us as we learn you know, how to read better a font of knowledge and just so much so much fun that we have every month come back every month read the books with us and, and enjoy knowledge i don't know chip i think we have enough information to survive another week what do you think only if we can come back next week steve I think we can. If we can get through Halloween, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're still on threads and x.com and Instagram and Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and YouTube. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. I'm Chip Hessenblatt. We'll see you in the future. <laughs> so we don't talk about what I want to talk about. It's what I want to thank you for. What I want.